Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We hope you will join our friends at Ballet Collective for a very special 10th anniversary celebration performance. The performances at Bohemian National Hall in New York City are already sold out, but on Tuesday, November 2nd, you can enjoy the show via live stream at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. For the first time ever, the 14 dancers for Ballet Collective will be taken from both the ranks of the New York City Ballet and the Martha Graham Dance Company, a rare collaboration between artists from two of the most respected dance organizations in the world. Dancers include Friends of the Pod, Daniel Applebaum, Giovanni Furlan, Megan LaCrone, Marzia Memoli, Mira Nadon, Leslie Andrea Williams, and more. Plus, our very own COD co-host, Michael Sean Breeden, has been working with Ballet Collective on this evening of dance in a repertory director role. So don't miss it. Stream information available at balletcollective.com slash live or click the link in the description of this episode. Winter is on the way and it's time to cozy up with new gorgeous shades from Olive and June. We have heard from so many of you that you are loving your new Olive and June Manny kits. So if you haven't checked out their fantastic products for the perfect at-home manicures, now is a great time. Olive and June just released their new Winter Manny box, which includes nine exclusive new colors. This box has everything you need to celebrate with the must-paint nails of the season. This kit includes top coat, polish remover, file, buffer, their award-winning cuticle system, and more. Plus, add their dry drops to get the perfect mani in no time. Through Conversations on Dance, we are happy to offer our listeners 20% off first-time customers' orders of any Olive and June system, including this new winter box, when you use the code DANCE20 at checkout. That's DANCE20, all one word, or click the link in the description of this episode. Get your holiday shopping done early or treat yourself to some self-love. Thank you for supporting this podcast by patronizing our sponsors. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on the podcast, we check in with our friends at St. Mary's College's LEAP program. We last heard about LEAP from the program's Associate Director, Stephanie Miller, in Episode 170 from January of 2020. 
When we spoke with her right before the pandemic, the program was working on launching an online program. Since then, the program has expanded exponentially to reach more dancers throughout the country. Today, we talk with Shauna Vela, LEAP Program Director, and Andrew Pearson, Program Coordinator Online. We hear about how the program works, how it is growing and shifting, and how interested dancers can inquire and apply. For more information, visit stmarys-ca.edu slash leap, or click the link in the description of this episode. Andrew and Shauna, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for inviting us. Yeah. Inviting us back. (laughs) I know. So we last spoke with your um, colleague, uh, Stephanie Miller, in I think it was like February 2020. So it was really right before everything changed. So we're so excited to catch up with you guys and hear more about what's happening with Leap. But before we get started, we want to get to know you guys a little bit. So Andrew, we'll start with you. Can you both tell us a little bit about how you first um, became interested in dance and the performing arts? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a while because I think I I typically say I started dancing when I was 11 because that was like the first time I took a dance class and I'm trying to like reprogram that like, no, I've been dancing since I was three in my living room. And like that, <laughs> yeah. that practice is just as valid as the studio practice. And right. um, like, as long as I can remember, I've been, you know, forcing my friends and my family, my cousins, my sister to like be in dance routines or be in um, like little <laughs> plays and stuff. Uh, so like that's when the artistic practice started. Um, and then I found like formal dance training. Um, I had a friend who was doing hip hop classes when I was in middle school, my family, um, you know, I was like, I'm not going to do soccer anymore. And they're like, okay, well, we want you to do something physical. Um, and that's what I chose. And at the time, my only exposure to dance at the time was, you know, music videos. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) hip hop is what I did. Um, Uh And then when I started taking it more seriously or like started thinking about going to college for dance, um, I had people telling me like, well, you have to take ballet. And at the time that was kind of true. I think it's changing for some college programs now where that that's maybe not the requirement anymore. But at the time, I definitely needed to have some ballet technique before auditioning for college. Um, So high school was mostly dedicated to ballet training. Um, And then I went to UC Irvine for college. um, And my degree was actually a BFA in choreography. I was focused mostly on on making. Um, Mm -hmm. And my mentors, my kind of main choreographic mentors were um, David Allen, who is National Ballet of Canada, and um, Loretta Livingston, who was Bella Lewitsky dancer. Um, So I had kind of like ballet influence and modern, classical modern influence. and yeah, I, I got to choreograph a lot at UCI and I was also performing a lot. I was there when Donald McHale was still teaching. I got to be in a piece, mm-hmm. one of his classic pieces. Um, I got to take a Forsyth class from Jody Gates while I was there. So um, I got to, you know, dip my toe in lots of different things. Um, yeah. right. And then my senior year of college, I actually was in West Side Story. Um, it was a collaboration between the music department, the theater department, and the dance department. Um, and uh, I was the dance captain and I got like my theater bug, like got bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and my first job after I graduated was a regional production of Cats. Um, and from there, I I was still 
in the Southern California area. I was still in Orange County, but kind of like commuting to Los Angeles. Um, my boyfriend at the time knew an agent. So I got an agent pretty easily um, and started going out for kind of commercial stuff. I did a Disney thing. I did a Party City commercial. Um, and my mm-hmm. agent actually, she I mean, she knew what my background was and she knew kind of where my heart lies. And she got me an audition for Body Traffic. Um, so my first kind of big job in LA was doing Barack Marshall choreography um, with Body Traffic. Um, and then, and somewhere in there, I like did a gig in uh, Montana with a modern dance company and did works by Lar Lubavitch and John Jaspers and Jane Comfort. Um, and then ended up back in LA and eventually landed with LA Contemporary Dance Company. And that was kind of like my home base for mm-hmm. six years. Um, and so then somewhere along the uh, LA Contemporary is a part-time company. So had to figure out like how to fill in the income. Um, right. And I kind of fell into teaching um, pretty early. And uh, it was all, <laughs> my entire teaching career could really in thanks to women getting pregnant um, because I just like kept being this like long-term substitute for people on maternity leave. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it happened like four times um, where I just was like in the right place and someone was like, hey, I'm pregnant. You teach. Can you take over? <laughs> um, so yeah, that, like, like my early resume is just like long-term sub um, for maternity leave. And, but I really like fell in love with education like it, it didn't just become this like other income for me it was like mm-hmm. a dual passion um mm-hmm. and a couple of years ago I went to a Bella Lewitsky um like memorial event and uh some of her dancers were on stage talking about how not only were they being trained to be dancers but they were simultaneously being trained to be teachers and it just like mm-hmm. really resonated with me because my mentor in college was a Bella Lewitsky dancer. I was like, oh yeah, this is like part of my training, part of my package. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then when I left LA Contemporary Dance Company, I knew I still wanted to be making and choreographing and creating stuff, but um, you know, I, d- I didn't have a very strong portfolio yet. So I really leaned into teaching more. Um, and I got to the point where I was teaching pretty consistently and like happy with the teaching, but like to make the amount of money I wanted to make, I was like, my body doesn't have that many hours of teaching in me a week. Right. So like I need wow. something else. Um, and that's when I started, I actually went and had a meeting with career transitions for dancers talking about different ways of like diversifying income and creating parallel careers. And um, we kind of realized that I have a pretty strong administrative um, resume, like, already through the stuff that I was doing with LA Contemporary and other things that like I had picked up along the way. Um, And so between like administration and education, um, I kind of joke that uh, Leap was this kind of like Mary Poppins type job where it's like, it almost feels like I wrote down the job description and like Mm -hmm. ripped it up and put it in the fireplace. And then it like Uh appeared in my (laughs) inbox. Because uh-huh. <laughs> um, the the job description was like we're looking for someone who's well versed in Los Angeles dance, who can work a part time job, um, who has a BFA, um, and uh, like can work from home or something like that. I was like, I like this is literally me. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, a year and a half, two years 
two years later, here I am. That's awesome. It's so interesting to see how like the, the diversity of your um, dance training and what you were exposed to and your skills all came together for the work you're doing now. So uh, I want to hear a little bit about Shauna's background in dance now. Yeah, thank you all. Um, so my name is Shauna Vela. I use she, her pronouns. I am the program director for LEAP. Um, I grew up in San Luis Obispo area, which is a little bit between the Bay Area and LA. And I started dance around second grade. Um, and was always a performer similar to Andrew, like very much doing commercials for my family <laughs> in the backyard, um, got into acting, got into dancing and then really got hooked at for dance around second grade and was in like those jazz tap hip hop combo classes. And then very quickly was like, you need to take ballet. Um, and fortunately my, the, um, school that I went to, it's called the Civic Ballet of San Luis Obispo. They had a lot of really great ballet technicians that were being trained from San Francisco Ballet and kind of back and forth and then going to summer programs and coming back. So I think my foundational ballet skills um, were really, really strong and really efficient, which really supported me throughout my dance career in different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just was one of those kids that was training all day, all night. You know, I lived in a really small town about 45 minutes away and I was raised by a single mom. So I had to find car, she had to find carpools for me to like commute to dance school. Um, but was there five days a week and got really into performance and just wanted to be doing it as much as possible. So um, that was my trajectory. Um, went to summer programs. Um, the, the dance company that I was, that dance company school, it was really interesting in, a, in this town, it actually has a professional company that does like Nutcracker and like spring galas. And then like the, the kids kind of come through the system. So I was dancing and we'd bring guest artists in and stuff like that. Um, around the time for choosing schools, I really didn't feel that I was going to be a dancer. It was a little bit about body image things, other things that I just didn't imagine myself being mm-hmm. professional where a lot of my other best friends were going to companies or even going to Juilliard Mm -hmm. or Philadelphia School of the Arts. So I actually went to St. Mary's College um, with Stephanie Miller. I'm a few years older than her. Um, And the reason I chose that school was because they had a dance program. And Mm -hmm. I was like, at least I can continue to dance and probably major in something else. Um, It turns out that other people thought very different for me. They really were like, wow, you're very good at this. (laughs) (laughs) You should probably continue to do this. Mm -hmm. And so even in my college undergraduate years, people, I was working in San Francisco for part-time kind of gigs, um, small dance companies and other things, but it really started bridging a realistic pathway for me to be a a professional dancer. Mm -hmm. And so after graduating, um, that's what I did. It was hard. I was working other jobs to support myself. I, I wasn't in a large company. So um, very different than a lot of the LEAP students I get to work with now who I'm just like, what is your life like (laughs) being in San Francisco Ballet or Lines or ABT? Because my pathway was very much supporting myself financially while I was making it to class, while I was making it to rehearsal, while I was even just finding places to perform. Um, So I worked with a few different dance companies up here, Liz Spain Dance, Randy Pave, I still do work with Rogelio Lopez and dancers, Davalos Dance, but again, they're kind of these mid-range dance companies. Simultaneously, I got hired uh, through St. Mary's to teach technique, because mm. at the time it was a pretty small undergraduate program, and I was good at technique. Um, so I, similar to what Andrew was talking about, I was really using my pedagogy and my teaching skills mm. to bolster my dance and performance skills. 
Mm -hmm. I pretty quickly knew I wanted to be a choreographer. So at the same time, I was kind of doing all three. I was presenting work in the Bay, finding places to do that in festivals, um, taking it to New York when I could, going to Europe. Um, so I, I kind of have had this range of career where I get to be in all parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes I'm not on the big opera house stages. Um, I'm in the fringe festivals. I'm in the black box theaters. I'm figuring out how to write grants for my company and keep the work alive. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess I'll just continue because Andrew continued to just like bring myself forward. <laughs> yeah, to lead. That's okay. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Similar to Andrew, when I was um, teaching about like eight hours a day, I swear, like teaching and dancing, like my body was just like, no, yeah. like I was, my knees were really shot. Like I was getting plantar fasciitis, like just from overuse of my feet. Um, and I was like really debating and I had been doing administrative work as well um, for different nonprofits. And also I had worked in philanthropy a little bit. Um, so I was really debating what my next steps were right around my 30s. Um, early 30s, and I decided to get my master's in dance. Um, I really love being in the studio. There's no other way to say it. I just love it. I love creation. I love performance, but I just love being in the studio. And so I really felt like that's where I wanted to at least create a life for myself where that was a part of um, my day-to-day practice. And so I got my master's through St. Mary's College as well. So my trajectory has actually been Mm -hmm. very closely linked to St. Mary's College, Mm -hmm. where the LEAP program is. Um, housed. And then I became a full-time professor there. So I teach in the undergraduate and the MFA programs as well. And I teach a lot of technique. I teach choreography. I teach dance history and theory classes such as dance and performance studies and um, dance and social justice. And then um, right at that time, the old, the former director of LEAP was stepping out And so I really felt passionately about LEAP. I've always been in awe of LEAP. I've kind of worked beside it. I have a lot of friends that went through LEAP instead of taking my um, pathway through St. Mary's uh, in undergrad, like the traditional undergrad pathway. So um, I just communicated to, to the people above, like this is something I really feel aligned with and I would love to be able to take this program into the next chapter, which also for me included acknowledging that um, Western dance forms kind of take dominance in our in our brains and minds. And um, I guess somebody who has trained in, in multiple different forms, like I just notice those hierarchies often. Mm-hmm. So I kept on noticing these pipelines of dancers um, coming from ballet companies, which is awesome. But I was like, this should be available to hip hop dancers and Bharatanatyam dancers and indigenous dancers. Mm-hmm. And how can we start to shift our um, our framework to be um, serving all dancers. Mm-hmm. And, and so that takes a lot of different, like, you know, our, not only for the curricular shifts, but like, what is our recruitment strategies? How are we um, defining professionalism, quote unquote? So um, I've been the director of the program for about six years. Wow. And yeah, so I, I do all three. I, I teach a lot. And then I also get to be working with Andrew and Stephanie and Margot De La Barre, who's our New York coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I really, um, I think that the four of us really hold the container well for serving all of our students and, and pushing it forward and have a, a lovely shared leadership right. kind of around the program. I wonder too, um, before we dive more into LEAP, are you guys doing any sort of other projects in the dance world, like outside of this program? 
I've seen nods. <laughs> Shana, do you want to start? Or do you want me, do you want me to I, start? I want you to start. Before before you <laughs> yeah. go, though, like my, because I just wanted to confirm, but my question really is just like, how do you feel like that informs then what you give to the students? Because you're still very active in the dance community. So how, in addition to what are these projects, how is that informing your work? Yeah, totally. Well, it, it, it fuels kind of both of my, my, jobs, because I also work at um, AMDA, which is the American Musical Dramatic Academy. There's campuses on New York and LA, and I'm I'm in the LA campus. And um, they have a huge ethos that that all of their instructors are working professionals um, in whatever field that we're teaching. And um, so, yeah, when I left LA Contemporary Dance Company, the, the main reason is that I wanted to devote, I still wanted to be in the studio, I still wanted to be creating, but I wanted to devote more time to making my own work. Um, and kind of developing my own voice and finding what that was. So um, I kind of started a, a solo practice, um, mostly just out of necessity. Like I didn't have funding yet. I didn't have um, uh, dancers necessarily like asking to work with me. So I just like made some solo stuff mm-hmm. and um, it it went well. I enjoyed like what I found. I got really great response from audiences. Um, I got to take a 50-minute solo that I built. Um, I got to tour it to a few different cities and, and an excerpt of it went to um, the Gdansk International Dance Festival in Poland. Um, so that was all very validating for that process. Uh, lately, I have been developing, um, I started writing a, a kind of one-man dance theater show um, I started writing it in like 2018 or 2019. Um, and I, in my head, I was going to premiere it in 2020 <laughs> and then that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but it was kind of this weird gift because I got to just really dive into the writing practice, the writing process. Um, I also started writing for, for dance plug during that time and, um, submitted an article, um, to HowlRound as well during that time. So <clears throat> got to dive more into my my writing practice. Um, and I've been working with a, a theater director dramaturg on, on my one man show as well. And we've just been like excavating cool. that script. Um, and actually this past weekend, um, we, um, got into a performance space, a performance studio space and did kind of like a pre-tech just to see like, how is the script actually coming together with lights and like on stage. And, and, um, it was, uh, we left the weekend being like, we have a show. This is a thing. Um, Great. So we're, we're, we're now talking about premiering it in 2022. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the teaching that I do at AMDA, um, most of the classes that I'm teaching right now are um, about the practice of creation. Um, I'm not doing a lot of dance technique. I'm, I'm helping dancers. And I'm actually working with all majors, dance, dance majors, theater majors, musical theater majors, um, on just like how do we hone and practice our creativity and how do we make things um, and then how it kind of ties into, to my work with leap is just like, I'm an active creative member of the Los Angeles dance community and the dance community at large. So I am, you know, rubbing elbows with dancers all the time, mm-hmm. um, allowing me to be like, have you heard about this program? Or it sounds like this program would be good for you. Um, and and yeah, yeah, I mean, and then <laughs> there's this like very, um, kind of beautiful overlap that a lot of my colleagues at AMDA are our students at LEAP. Mm. Oh, um, nice. So it all kind of like 
flows together. It all flows. Yeah. It's all <laughs> one, one package. It feels like. Yeah. How about you, Shauna? Um, and I, first I just want to say, Andrew, I'm really excited to see your show. So, uh, <laughs> I, so yeah, be sure to let us know. We'll, we'll share it with our audience. So be sure to let us know when it's happening. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I will. Um, similar to Andrew, I just, I create a lot of work. It's mostly lives in the Bay. Um, sometimes I get to bring it to other places. Um, it's an interesting time to be asking that just because of the pandemic. Um, but, but I mean, in the sense that like, I feel like my creative practice has shifted and I am really questioning like, what is the next project? Um, I had a project that was going to show in 2020 and we actually didn't. Um, but it also feels like I've, sh- I've shifted so much and I, and I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm wanting to return to that exact project. Um, mm. But I, so um I guess I, I create work under my name, Shauna Vella, <laughs> and, and partially because I've been in so many collectives and we've created so many collectives. And then I just use my name now as a way to just say like all of this work and all of these different places <laughs> all lives with me or the people I collaborate with. Um, right, right. I get to set work um, frequently, not only on the St. Mary students, which is really fun, but also youth programs and training programs in the Bay, um, which feels fun. Similar to Andrew, um, my scholarship, I guess that's what we call it in academia, but it's my creative practice, is around mm-hmm. choreography and production and, and making work. Um, and I'm interested in pretty experimental work a lot of the time. So how we bring audience um, in or how we kind of take have different kind of um, shifting perspectives for how we witness dance or in, engage with dance um, or theater. So I feel like that informs every layer of my teaching and scholarship, um, not only with the undergrads and the MFA students, but how I work with LEAP students. And it's also really fun. I've been working with LEAP students on their senior capstone projects. And LEAP, um, you know, we can transition a little bit. I know that you've already heard from Stephanie, but one of the coolest things I think about LEAP is because it's so individualized, the senior capstone projects are really supporting whatever the student wants. And so we have such a range of capstone projects. We have people who are transitioning out of dance, who are doing business plans and websites. And then we have people who are staying in dance who want to do dance film or choreography or, you know, even dance theater work. Like Andrew, like how do you incorporate text in your work? Um, We have people writing memoirs. We have people creating nutrition books or, um, yeah, just a lot of things. Yeah, this. So I get to work with some of the students in creating choreography, and and that has been a blast too. Just to support people in their own creative voice, because a lot of the people are dancers in big companies, and they're like, "What is my creative voice as a choreographer? Like, how do I hold this relationship right. with myself um, right. that doesn't always get to be in the directing position?" So that informs a lot of my work. Uh, the thing that I always say to to prospective students is. Um, you know, their advisors, myself, Margot, or Stephanie, and even Shauna, like we speak, um, we speak both academia and dance, Mm. like we speak both languages. And I think by continuing to participate in our dance practice and in the dance community, we keep that dance language really fresh and and current, um, which is not always the case for dancers who transition into full-time academia. Um, so I think that that's kind of an important part of of maintaining our practice. We only know how to talk to people who speak dance, you know? And then when you just like, that would be the scariest part, I feel like, I'm just going to college. Like, what is this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's our goal. We try and take all of that fear. Um, 
we, we hold all of that stress for our dancers, basically. If you love Conversations on Dance, be sure to check out the Dance Edit Extra, a new premium audio interview series. It features insight and inspiration from the performers, choreographers, educators, and administrators who are making dance world headlines, exploring both their personal stories and their thoughts on the larger issues shaping dance today. And why is it extra? Because it's actually a companion to the Dance Edit podcast, a weekly discussion of top news stories. Subscribe to the Dance Edit Extra on Apple Podcasts and find out more about both Edit Extra and the Dance Edit podcast at thedanceedit.com slash podcast. So if we rewind to a time prior to the creation of the LEAP program, um, there was a lot of um, hesitation. I mean, certainly in my generation, I remember the idea of uh, going to college was basically like, well, that's a death knell. Then you're not going to have a dance career. Um, Things have changed a lot, a lot. And LEAP is a huge part of um, lifting us out of that sort of negative um, connotation with uh, higher education and a career. So uh, what are some of the ways that um, LEAP has brought us forward to a path now where people can actually live both experiences? Start for a second, then I would love Andrew to jump in um, as somebody who talks to a lot of our students. Um, I think it's it's very interesting, the population that is in LEAP, and it actually creates such a really interesting and rich place to be in an educational setting. It's really diverse in terms of age um, and lived experience, as well as diverse in terms of other like social identity um, components. But it's um, one of my best friends, I'm just going to use an example, one of my best friends who I co-teach with, um, he is a lead grad. He had a dancing career in New York and went to um, Europe for a really long time. He came back to San Francisco. I think he started Leap in his late 40s. Oh, wow. So, and he had been asked by the performer director, like over a year after year, like, are you ready? And then he was just like, it's not for me. It's Mm -hmm. not for me. And then he fell in love with it. And then he went on to get his master's in dance. And now he's a professor in dance. And part of it was his own trajectory of transitioning from creator in the theater to writer. And so anyways, he's, Mm -hmm. he's somebody that I just so deeply admire. His name is Todd Courage. Um, but he is such a great example of like, we have the, the Todd Courages, we have the people who are returning to school, who we have a lot of people. And then we also have 18 year olds. So mm-hmm. I, I think the question is complex in the sense that like different people are coming into the program at different times. And so you could have the career and then come return back into it, or you could be doing it simultaneously. We have a lot of dancers who are in the height of their performance career they're, you know, and, and they're also doing the LEAP program on Sunday evenings. Um, so mm-hmm. I think having the option and knowing that it, it exists alleviates some of that fear already, knowing that mm-hmm. you don't have to jump into it at any one time and knowing that we have the flexibility within the program that if a tour comes up or if a big show comes up and you need to leave, we will hold your credits and understand that you can go do that and then you can come back. And I think that it's Mm -hmm. just such a different type of program than so many academic institutions. And that's partially because it's so student centered and we have so many amazing staff that are dancers that can hold those complexities with you. So I guess that Mm -hmm. I, I would just say that, that I think just even knowing the program exists allows you to come in and leave as you need to. I guess that's part of my response. 
We have some friends that just started with, um, that are with Miami city Ballet with that just started with leap and they are loving it. And there, some of them are our generation that, you know, you know, went through, have gone through a huge chunk of their careers and are just starting now. And some that are younger, do you know, by chance, maybe what the, I know you're speaking that it's so diverse, but I wonder if you do know like what percentage ish are current dancers and then which are ones because other, um, part of your criteria, right. Is a certain period of time as a professional dancer, maybe you can speak to that too. Yeah, um, the uh, the criteria um, as it stands is is two years documented professional experience. Um, so that's that's pretty uh, uh, flexible in terms of like what is document or not what is documented. You have to show that like you were in stuff, right. but like right. what two years? It doesn't have to be two consecutive years. Right. Maybe, you know, a year here, you you're there, especially like our commercial dancers. You know, they're doing like a week right. and it's another right. week. Yeah. Um, so. Um, in terms of the the percentage, I would say it's probably 50-50 oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, of current, like still active dancers and dancers who are on their way to something else. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that really feels like then there would be a support system if you are either in either scenario. If you are a current dancer, a lot of your people that you're with in the classes are also kind of experiencing those same things. And then you know, others, because of course we know it is hard to move on and go on to something else. And then you also have like that support system within your community at LEAP. Yeah. I think that that's what I hear as, as, um, one of the big benefits is that you're in this room with people who understand. Um, and even if like you're in a room with someone who's a hip hop dancer and you're a ballet dancer, there's still a common language and a common experience. Yeah. 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 So when we, when we spoke to Stephanie, we got a really good background on the LEAP program and uh, everything that it offers. But that, as we said, that was February, 2020. I'm sure that there has been a pretty big shift in focus or at least an expansion of programs, like particularly the online program um, that maybe was pre existing before, but um, you have to ratchet up during this very different time. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the ways that uh, Leap has um, been uh, adapting to um, this very new era we're living in? Do you want me to start with the online program and then I can pass it to you for curricular changes? <laughs> cool. Yeah. So the, the online program is actually something that we had been in conversation with pre-COVID. She teased um, it to us. I remember when oh, did Stephanie she? did. Okay. Yeah. And we're like, Ooh, let us know when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Faster than yeah. you thought, probably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next yeah. week, well, actually. We... Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the whole world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I, I had got hired as the LA program coordinator and um, we were in a period where LA kind of needed to be rebuilt a little bit. Uh, most of the students that I was advising when I got hired were on their way to graduation, and I didn't have a lot um, of newer students. And a lot of the conversations that I was having was students who were interested, but they were concerned about another gig that might come up or being on tour or all these things that they, they just didn't feel like they could commit if they had to be in LA in a specific location. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, the program was already hybrid. So we had already built in some capacity for online teaching. We had an online platform where the, the syllabus and kind of assignments lived. We had Zoom classes already happening for some of the meetings. So it was more just, it was mostly just about shifting more into that and deleting the in-person altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, so that conversation was happening and um, it was a little bit of, we had to kind of um, 
I think, explain or demonstrate to the institution how we could continue to be successful and how we could continue to fulfill the learning outcomes um, that the program is supposed to fulfill. And so we were in that process of kind of like, kind of collecting the data to, to make the make that case. And then we didn't have to collect any data because everything went online. <laughs> the entire institution went online. Um, and so we had a lot, you know, after a few semesters, we had real world, uh, real experience demonstrating like, look, not only are their grades just as good, their learning outcomes are just as good. We've actually been able to reach new students who we weren't able to reach right. before. Um, and so the, the original thought was like, okay, LA is going to become online, but that kind of opened up this whole other, um, you know, uh, magic wardrobe of like, well, if we're online, who else can we serve? Right. Um, and, you know, Miami City Ballet was one of the first places that we were able to collaborate with um, to uh, offer offer um, their dancers our program. And, and we're just continuing to expand nationally at this point and, and um, hopefully just keep growing. Right. The online program is in 10 states now. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, um, there's a lot of, you know, institutional um, red tape that exists <laughs> in academia and colleges. And so we are an, an approved online program through St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. And then every state has their own kind of rules mm -hmm. around how to deliver online coursework. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, there are 10, I believe 10 states that like, uh, we are good to go with like many, many, many states in the wing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, uh, we, we always say like, no matter where you are in the country, like reach out, have that conversation. The more we understand where a desire or a need for this program exists, the faster and easier it is to get up and running in those right. locations. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So Shauna, could you, uh, shoot us some details about curricular changes then? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because I just want to backtrack a little bit because it's so perfect how Andrew described um, the transition to online. You have to understand that St. Mary's as an institution, is a very small liberal arts college. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that LEAP exists in it. And yet it is itself just like this. It's very um, specific to its pedagogy styles, which we call mm -hmm. shared dialogue. Um, or shared inquiry, learning and dialogue, meaning it's seminar style, you read books, you discuss the books in the classes. Um, it's not a lot of asynchronous learning, meaning it's not a lot of like you read and you take tests online. There's a lot of just discussing together. So mm -hmm. in order for the LEAP program to go online, there was a lot of fear and trepidation around how we could do this. Um, right. because we have to think about the institution, like many of the other professors are like going to a college campus and they're having their students in a room when they're talking right. to them. And then they're like, what are you talking about going online? So it really was an interesting thing that, um, we actually got approved right before COVID and it was a big, like, you know, we had to talk to a bunch of different programs. We had to talk to our biology department and our anthropology department and our, all of the different places that we offer classes through and say, can't, you know, we know that we can do this. Our faculty know that we can do this, can't, you know, and we're doing it. But I guess I just want to say that that's a part of the pedagogical shift, which is curricular is how do mm -hmm. we support people who are supposed to be reading books and talking 
um, in a in a Zoom classroom. So some of it is actually curricular, like how we shift what we're learning about, and some of it is making sure that we are able to create community and 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 do this well via an online platform. Um, how we use breakout rooms, all of those other things um, mm-hmm. are really critical, so that the students have a really good and positive experience, similar to if you were in a classroom with somebody. And I know because I teach in the program, we're doing it very well. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it really is fun and it is a great program. But I think that's a part of the shifts that we've had to take in moving online. Um, and then I think some of the other curricular shifts that I, you know, I started talking about before is just how do we decenter Western forms mm-hmm. so that it's not always that we're talking about ballet. Um, there is um, the the scholarship or the the academic books oftentimes for dance history courses were based in Western forms. So everybody who went through the program had to learn about the court dancing and, you know, and, and that just was like really the erasure of so many other artists in the world and so many other forms. And so it's, um, it's been a blast and really a lot of work to really try to figure out how we completely revise how we're teaching, um, Mm -hmm all of these things, and then also two dancers who already have a lived experience of this. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a lot, it's a really beautiful. We, I'm really working on like honoring embodied experience, having people write their own stories, their own lineages of movement. So that way you're not saying you have to read a book, but you're actually doing the research yourself on like, what is my movement lineage and who taught it to me and how did they learn it? Um, mm-hmm. Shifting our focus to really understanding that our students are amazing and have these like incredible performance histories and they're diverse, as diverse as all of the four of us are, um, how we got here and, and what our experiences are and who we've shared it with. So really trying to shift um, the focus away from like that kind of like read a book and take a test to like honoring right. the full person um, and honoring also where they want to be going in their trajectory. So that's a little bit of the curricular shifts that um, we've been doing while we're also expanding. Right. Do you, do you think that, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'd like to highlight the dance history change a little bit more because Shauna, it was just such a brilliant idea and I've gotten so much, so much great feedback from my students already about it. Um, that you know, in the past, because, because all of our students are coming to us as professional performers, we, um, they have to like check certain boxes when it comes to getting their performing arts major, but we don't make them take a full semester of dance history. That just doesn't make sense for our performers. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Sean was saying in the past, they would like read a book and take a test and like wipe their hands of it and move on. But it was very Eurocentric. So n- now Shauna has had them uh, ask themselves, what is my dance history, my personal dance history? What's my lineage? Do a little bit of like a research paper on their own dance history mm-hmm. that they can kind of write on their own time. And then they come together in that shared inquiry kind of um, process and they share their own history. So they're learning everyone's dance history um, through mm-hmm. the lived experience that, the, that they've had. Oh, I love that. That's such a great idea. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, um, if these sort of curriculum changes, decentering Western um, forms of dance, um, were made easier by the sort of upheaval that you were going through with having to change everything due to COVID, or do you think you were already on your way there? Absolutely, uh, we were already on our way there. It was a very interesting thing to take um, leap on as a program director because so much of the undergraduate and the MFA are already there. Mm -hmm. And it was just the structure of the program that was making it kind of 
um, a diff- it's just a creative problem. Like mm-hmm. the, the old tests that Andrew was talking about were just the structure of this program. But like when we talk to our undergraduate students that are going to St. Mary's traditional undergraduate program on campus, it's a full semester of reading different dance forms and talking mm-hmm. about it and watching videos and having guest artists and doing embodied practice. And so that was already has been shifted for a long time. And so it was just a matter right. of figuring out what creative solution we could mm-hmm. figure out for the LEAP program. Um, right. And so, you know, what I will say about it in terms of the online experience is um, the, the, old, the old way of LEAP having dancers in each area, which is really cool because there's diversity in each area. But this whole online, it's like we are taking classes with dancers in New York, whereas like when people were taking classes in New York, they kind of all knew the New York companies, right. more from Broadway you know, and some more from ballet companies and some more for other forms. But now it's like I, I've like in these classes and that particular dance history, I was like emotional in it because it was a three hour session with 25 dancers from across the country and across the entire world, really, because when we're talking about dancers, there's so many international um, students and people who have come to this country or live other places, it was transformative to just learn about everybody's dance histories. Um, and a part of that is your ancestral history and and where you're coming from and where you got to this place. So I think that the online format adds a whole other layer of texture around who gets to be in your classroom and who you get to build community with. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say one more thing around that is I think as dancers, we instinctually know that community and networking is how we exist or how we get jobs, at least for me, mm-hmm. and like how I get teaching <laughs> yeah. jobs. The small like, world. Yeah. And so <laughs> Leap feels like this beautiful platform that we're c- creating together where it's like now online in particular, I'm like, y'all, if you want a guest artist to come in, now you have access well, yeah. to these dancers from around the country with different experiences. And it's truly like, it just feels like I'm bubbling with excitement because I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, we can build more and more community, um, not only within the program, but through our alumni networks and other things mm-hmm. to serve outside of the program. So you can know mm-hmm. people and say, I need a guest artist, or I know somebody who specializes in this form. It'd be interesting to have them talk on a panel like, ooh, just excitement. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Um, will you guys remind us um, how it works? I think as, as I recall, Stephanie was telling us that when you are a professional dancer, some of that um, time that you spend in the studio goes towards credits towards your um, degree. Is that correct? Then how is it working then for the dancers who are not currently dancing, but maybe, you know, taking classes through Leap? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the process is, is basically, um, uh, there's a two kind of processes. One is um, what we call experiential learning, um, which is like learning that you have you have experienced this knowledge just through your life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I'm trying to like find the most expeditious way to say this. Um, part mm-hmm. of part of the challenge also with with the the dance history and those things, it's like we want to um, maintain the ability to have this part time schedule. So that our dancers can continue to work and continue. So, like that's part of the balance and the juggle is like we don't want to add time to our dancers or our students' plates, but we still want to give them the fullness of the program and the fullness of the learning outcomes. And so part of how we do that is that the majority of their courses for the major. So all of our students are performing arts majors. Um, and if you're a performing arts major at St. Mary's College, you have to like you have to check certain boxes. 
You have to take a certain number of technique classes. You have to take a certain number of, or you have to be in a certain number of performances. You have to take a certain number of performance theory classes. So that is the section that we really kind of like speed up. And so all of our dancers, um, no matter if they have two years of documented dance experience 20 years ago or two years ago or currently, um, that is enough to prove to the institution that you have earned the knowledge of those technique courses and that you have earned the knowledge of performing in a professional or in a, in a performance. And so automatically those six courses, just kind of those, those get checked off. Um, and then a sweet deal. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's great. It's, it's, I think it's 21 units, like right off the bat. Wow. Um, yeah. And then, um, which is, I think about a quarter of a little bit less than a quarter of the degree. Um, and then the, the remainder of the performing arts courses, the, it's two dance history courses, a music course and an acting course. Those are all just an expedited experience. So either you're writing that paper about your past experience or um, you're meeting with an acting coach for one session, you read a play and then you like perform the play the next session. Um, so it's, it's, it, we fit those into like the pockets in between semesters so that we're never overlapping and, and creating too much stress or too much time for the mm -hmm. students. And all of those um, courses, the performing arts courses are, um, they're just kind of like part of the program. They're not tuition bearing. They're just like, this is, uh, this is the credit that you already deserve and earn from being a professional performer. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. the other part of the experiential learning is um, there's this whole 30 unit section um, where not only do you have the experience of being a performer, but you also have the, ex you're, an, you're an adult in this world. And as an adult, <laughs> you have experienced things and that experience creates knowledge. And the way that I like to talk about it is like, basically, if you think of like a college credit as like a unit of knowledge, then you are earning these units by demonstrating your knowledge in a given subject. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so we have students who, um, we have this process where um, students write uh, experiential learning papers about things that they've experienced. And that could be, um, it could be performance-based like choreography or preventing injuries or staging dance, um, but it could also be parenting or marriage or finances or stress management. Um, ethnic issues, women's health issues, L LGBTQ issues, all of these things that as an adult you have experienced, you have just as much, if not more knowledge than you would if you took that class through St. Mary's. So mm -hmm. write the paper, demonstrate your knowledge. Here's the units for that. Gotcha. Oh, that's so interesting. I would, I would just like to add that that's a very like specific product. Andrew did the great pitch for it. And I'm like, I just <laughs> want to be the academic in the room. That's like, that goes under a lot of review. Uh -huh. um, it's called prior learning assessment. And so I just want to say that because um, I just, the person who's holding the space of the program director, it's like, mm -hmm. it's very specific within the institution, mm -hmm. how we do those things so that mm -hmm. people can earn credit through those essays. Right. right. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I just needed to say that. Yeah, we cool. all of our students get trained in how to write the essay. You can't just like right. apply to the and like 
write about this time that I managed stress. Here you go. Like there's, yeah. there's steps that you. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. the, the papers go to the, the professors in those departments um, right. for review. So like it's a it's just a really interesting aspect of the LEAP program that many institutions don't hold, mm-hmm. um, but it has to go under a lot of review. So yeah. right. I I, I've never that. heard of that before. It's <laughs> yeah. so cool. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, could you just tell us to, as we wind down, just tell us a little bit about the future of the LEAP program. What, what are some of your goals? What would you, what each of you like to see um, from LEAP or the students that are participating, say, five years or 10 years from now? Why don't you go first, Andrew? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I would just love to see the network continue to build. Um, I've, I've kind of started my own little campaign in um, meeting with alum. Um, as I'm still pretty new to the program, I haven't met a lot of our alumni. And um, I had this great conversation with an alum yesterday um, who is, um, she was telling me about kind of all of these like contract issues she was having as a dancer and um, like standing up for herself and all this kind of stuff. And um, she graduated in 2013, but now she's like, I'm going to law school. Like I'm going to go to law school now. And she is going (laughs) to become, and like, and, and it's not just like, I don't see leap as like this this stepping stone to like your next career, but it's it's mm-hmm. part of the same kind of fabric. And that not only is she like have the tools and the the paper that she needed to like make this transition, but she's going to become this brilliant advocate for dancers now um, with all of these new tools. And I think that right. the the leap program just does this great job of of instilling in our students that you already have the the know-how, you already have the knowledge, you already have the tools. Here's just a little bit of um, additional support and and maybe some new tools you didn't know you needed um, so that we can, yeah, for me, the future is just like this this really expansive and cohesive network of dancer slash dancer advocate slash dancer dancer activist, um, dancer scholar, all of the above. I love that because, and I think you guys proved this as well. There's not one way to stay connected to dance, you know, afterwards. And so that's one way what you guys are doing is a completely different way. It's not just like, oh, and now I go teach at a school. You know, there's so many ways to continue that passion and find something new. And if you guys can help facilitate that, I think that's awesome. We need dancers who are lawyers. We need them out there. (laughs) Shauna, how about you? Yeah, I don't think I have much to add to what Andrew just spoke to. I think it's a it's an incredible in program already. Um, I think the people who have gone through it, even prior to us being here, they speak really highly about it because it it really does value um, the whole person, and really um, at the same time honor something that in our society doesn't often go with a lot of recognition, which is being a performer and the kind of discipline and rigor um, and self-drive that one has to do to become a performer, um, regardless of the amount of time that one is quote unquote professional. Um, And I think being in a space where other people get that and honor that too is really special. So I think that the the goal for me is to continue to build that. And and like Andrew said, just complete, um, continue to build the networks past the graduation point Mm -hmm. So that we can all be working together and supporting the next generations of dancers um, and, and doing more for them as we take on leadership roles within institutions that we work for um, in terms of training or choreography or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that pathway um, is. So that's that's similar. And I think um, I think it's 
I think doing something like this is also just, again, a plug to reach out to us, um, mm -hmm. to reach out to us if you have any interest or if you know somebody, because we are really wanting to create that network with each of you who are listening. Um, <laughs> and, you know, regardless of your age too, like what the opportunity to come into a program like this and, um, and share what you already know yeah. is really exciting. So for Dan, so how could someone, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, we were going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> you go ahead. You say Rebecca. So for dancers who have two years of experience, whether it was 20 years ago or just this past years, um, how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can, um, they can follow us on Instagram at leap underscore program. Um, and they can find all of our contact information there. Um, they can also go to, if they go to the St. Mary's website, which is um, www.stmaris-ca.edu and just like search LEAP, um, you'll get to our um, homepage. You can also do the same URL slash L-E-A-P and that will get to the homepage Um and yeah, I mean, we definitely recommend, even if you're like a little bit curious um, and, and you're not sure how it's going to fit into your schedule, you're not sure how it's going to fit into your life. Um, our, our course of studies for each student is so specifically individualized that we just always recommend start the conversation um, and, and um, see how it might work for you. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. And I'm sure we'll hear more about the LEAP program in years to come on, right here on this podcast. So <laughs> thank you both. Thank you. Thank you guys. Bye. Yeah. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.